Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to the Creep Dive. Do you know what we haven't done in ages? The harmonizing. Okay, oh ready? God. Are we going the Creep Dive or Creep the Dive? The Creep Dive. Okay. The Creep Dive. dive. Beautiful. <laughs> Good echo. Thank you. That's Jen O'Dwyer over oh, there. D-W-Y-E-Y. That's Sophie White. Oh, somebody finally fucking intro Actually, I was listening back in the edits and we do introduce you, but you're usually talking and you miss it yourself. Touche. Consequences of your own actions, White. Um, I love it. That, uh, what? That Joy. Joyful little person Talented. over there is Cassie. 20 something year old. Clinging to that. Yep. When are you 30? December. You led me to believe you were really full of youth. I yeah. am full of youth. No, but you, were you born in the 90s? No, 89. Ah. <laughs> But just barely. <laughs> she ain't young. Which gives me the perfect opportunity to shout out for my um, 30th birthday party. It's going to be a special screening of Sister Act 2 and it's fancy dress and sing along. Everyone who listens to the podcast is invited. Yeah, what? Yeah, my mother told me that I didn't have enough friends. Cassie, you're just inviting like at least Eight and a half thousand people. people. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Once we crack that nine, we'll never hear the end of it. Are, you, are we all going to hear Seriously? Yeah. I'm going to rent out the three arena. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> are you actually going to have a big party though I'm going to have a um, medium sized party depending on people's availability sugar club I was thinking mutiny 
I don't really have Mutiny more than... might be too small for nearly 9,000 people. people. I think we should round up. Let's just round up. To 9,000 people. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to Just explode. dub in 9,000 over the previous eight and a half, okay? Okay, yeah. okay. Um, hello, everyone, by the way. That's actually news to me that that many people are listening. Now I'm kind of frightened. Don't think about it. Okay. People love it. It's just us. We need to cut that. What? Cut what? People love it. Yeah. Why? Because then they'll start I mean, to analyze why and they'll realize, do you not, wait, what am I doing with on. my time? Do you not enjoy listening to our ones? That's how you know. I'm like, I love sitting back after my story's over. Oh, yes. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. I'm it's super so, excited. So, By, so what are we doing? Who's going first? Okay, well, I have a... Um, Me, it's I'll not, go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can like take us to the bridge and then I'll see us out. Yeah, see mine is uh mine is quite short. It's still in multiple tab format as opposed to a word doc. So it could be as long as short as we need. Sophie's what is you sh- a thesis. For fuck's sake. I've I've done at least seven finger scrolls there. I apologize. I'm gonna just rock. Bearing through it in so mind fast. that your short ones are forty five minutes, um, this we're gonna be here all night. I am not known for my brevity. If you close your eyes, and picture Sasquatch, there's a good chance you'll conjure up my husband. A very specific image. Okay. Oh, oh yes, through the woods. Do you recall this piece of footage? Yeah, I think yes. so. It filmed in the 60s and it was 1967. It's called a Patterson Gremlin film. Come on, you must know it. I'm going to play it for you guys now because otherwise... I think I've seen stills from it. You would have, yeah. Uh, look, I don't know everybody here. I'm playing for the guys. You'll find it if you just Google Patterson Gremlin. So it it's shot in 67. Okay, camera's The film panning. quality is poor, but we're panning across a wooded area. Keep panning, keep panning. A lot of panning. There's a lot of panning. So I'll tell you the story of story of how this came to be as soon as we can get some. Oh, here we are. Okay, we've cut to a man on horseback and another horse on a lead. Is that what you might call it? Mm. Here we go. Panning, Tell panning. It. Well, I skip forward now. I'm going to skip forward because we can't have four minutes of this level of shittery. Go on, give us a, uh, a timestamp. Okay, I'm going to skip forward to... Oh, here, I think this is it. No, this is more horses. Should really have prepped this better. Uh, <laughs> this is the wrong video. Is this the stuff... Oh, oh, here we go, here we go. It's at the end of the video. I'm going on 2 minutes 35. I'm skipped in. Oh, here has gone a bit erratic. S- exactly, something's happened. <gasps> video camera shaking. Coming something back. seems to be moving. Trying to zoom in on something. Among the trees. Here. It's humanoid-like. Oh. It's a gigantic humanoid ape looking back at us towards the camera, bosom swinging, arms. Very long also swinging. arms. Very long arms. Power so, walking. And like a robust chest. Yes, bosom. So they're suggesting this is a female Sasquatch. Will Are you, you just with treat me? us yeah. to the first comment on the video? I do. Oh, yeah. Good, yeah, good. I didn't resist. even scroll down. All right, here we go. Laughed my ass off, yo. That thing looks like it's on its way to work. <laughs> <laughs> it totally does. Yeah, swinging his, swinging his arms. Looking back. Never disappoints the comments. So that is an iconic piece of footage. If you have any interest in the Yeti. I went, basically, we were doing one of the creep yeah. lives and I was going to do the Yeti. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
And there's tons of stuff there. Uh, and then I was kind of sucked into Sasquatch as well. So mm. the Yeti was originally the abominable snowman. Yes. Mm. And Sasquatch um, was a kind of suggested to be like a... Bigfoot. Yes. Similar creature except mm-hmm. for the woods. Like okay. a so Jersey like a devil. polar bear versus a brown bear. Exactly. Right. Love it. So, Winter, summer. Exactly. So, X-Files fans might remember the Jersey Devil episode. No, I don't. Walking brain. Season one or two. It's quite early. Okay, back in the room. Back in the room. Can uh, I ask a question? Yes. Sasquatch. Does that have anything to do with Saskatchewan? Yeah, probably, but uh, I don't know how. <laughs> um, so, so like in that this iconic piece of footage, uh, the thing Bigfoot in commas, was turning back to look at was Bob Gimlin, a man. The man with the, the man cam. with the cam. The man with the cam. So Gimlin, along with Roger Patterson, gathered their famous film footage in Northern California in 1967. 50 years later, people still, 50 odd years later, people still pour over it, debating its authenticity and speculating on how it might have been faked. So to this point, nobody has determined that it's determined that fully it's fake. fake, that it's fully fake. And Sasquatch, Yeti and Bigfoot, there are huge pods of people, yeah. pod people, uh, believers they, there's huge like Comic Con levels of meetings and gathering of people who found Bigfoot's hair, feet, sorry, what do you call it? footprints. So there's a huge kind of amount of people interested. But nobody's ever found a corpse. Nobody's found a corpse. Uh not to this day. But people have found scabs in the in the Himalayas where the Yeti or like the snow version yeah there's spits of scalps in monasteries and monks in the Himalayas there's even a finger there's a great story I'll tell you if there's still time after this oh, do you want a bit of background on this, this yeah video? so uh, this is the film that launched a thousand ba- Bigfoot hunters so there was sort of a mania after that you might remember as well Harry and the Hendersons <gasps> I was going to say mm. when can we talk about Harry and the Hendersons yeah so this is all sort it's of a really random sitcom do you okay. remember it Cass no, no. Uh, so it was somebody it, like a sitcom in America was Ted Danson in it or somebody tall and who looked like him um, it was kind of pre-Ted Danson I think so it was sort of like Alf sitcom do you remember Alf Yes. Anyway, Bigfoot. Except Limp instead of an house. alien, there was a Sasquatch. Okay, okay. So here's Bob Was Gimlin. it in the 80s? He was Harry. And the Hendersons were the family that he lived with. Right, right. Okay. Okay, Bob Gimlin, the footage man. Yeah. Uh, a real life cowboy. So he used to break horses a road in an honest to God sheriff's posse. So he, he was a big horseman. Ooh, let's gather a posse. Uh, so he rode in rodeos as well, which is where he met this guy, Roger Patterson. So one day in 1961, they ran into each other at a gas station and Roger told Bob he wanted to show him something. So he came back with a large plaster cast of a footprint and said, this is Bigfoot track. So Roger... Do you have any idea the size of it? Because you're doing a huge... It's huge. Uh, so it's it's like, let's say the biggest man's foot would be somewhere. How, how big is Seb's feet? Seb would have enormous 15. feet. 15. So this thing was nowhere near a human size foot. And just like, imagine Seb's, Seb's shoe. Seb's shoe is as long as from my middle finger to my elbow. Big beast. You actually might have accidentally married it yet. <laughs> just with a good razor. Uh, so... Bob, so Roger showed Bob this big plaster cast. So Bob wasn't sure what to make of it. He was open-minded enough um, that one day later, when Roger came a-knocking, he was willing to listen. So he came running to my place and said, Bob, can you take me to more Northern California? Bob said, Labor Day weekend. Uh, it's a date. So, exactly, it's a date. 
So according to Roger, he said there's a, people have found a lot of tracks down there. So Bob agreed to load up three horses in his trailer and head down to the area around Willow Creek, Northern California. Mm. They quickly discovered the track, the tracks they were looking for had succumbed to rain and human foot traffic. But the two men mounted up and headed deep into the woods uh, on old logging roads. So the leaves were all changing, uh, reds and yellows, Bob recalled. They were just riding up there. Roger was taking pictures of me on the horse and leading uh, the back pack horse, sorry. That's when Roger's horse started jumping and lunging. Then Bob saw what was spooking the horse. There was a Bigfoot standing there (gasps) just on the other side of the creek from us, but it immediately turned and started walking away. Well, Roger, by then, had got his camera out of his saddlebag on the horse and was running across the creek there. So that footage you could see of it all. Of him running, Yeah. yeah. So he hit the other side of the bank, stumbled and kind of fell on his elbows. And that's when he, it made that famous head turn. Do you remember? Yeah. So the footage is... And of, that actually of, makes sense because when he's zooming, yeah. the camera's shaking a lot and it does go quite still. Yeah. Which that's if when he, he was fell. on his elbows holding the camera, then that's how it was managing to be steady. Yes. So where was I? So, he, this, so there was no doubt in Bob's mind this wasn't a hoax. This was Bigfoot. So once they'd calmed their horses down, they tried to follow her. She appeared to be rather heavy bosomed, <laughs> but to no avail. They couldn't. They couldn't keep up her. She was gone by the time they got. They big got tit energy. Area. Big, mm-hmm. big fucking tit energy. Nice. Like in the film, she doesn't give no shits. She's not speeding up. No, she just looks irritated. It's like a backwards glance. Totally. Of like, I mean, yeah, like a kind of. Can you just not? Yeah. Yeah. Just I'm just on my way to work. Yeah. Exactly. So once the shaky film was developed, Roger was giddy and certain that he had a gold mine on his hands. But Bob was unimpressed. When I first saw the film, he said, um, I thought that ain't nothing. I said I saw a lot more than that. So I was kind of the bad guy, said Bob. So basically they saw a lot more than they managed to get on film. Yeah, yeah. And of course, like, oh gosh, it's mad that you forget so, so easily how they were not looking at their footage as it was being recorded. Exactly. So this turned out to be the first crack in their sort of friendship. Oh. They hit the road with the film, uh, trying to interest investors and maybe sell the story to Hollywood. Bob said his heart wasn't in it. He had horses to take care of and he headed home to get back to work. So still Roger and his associates continued a road show with, according to Bob, one major difference. He hired some guy that said he was me. Bob said, still <gasps> incredulous all, after all these decades. So Roger was like, fuck you, Bob. I'm going alone. I'm taking the video on the road. And I'm pretending this guy's going to make a chunk of change. Yeah. yeah. So he had this kind of Bob impersonator Imposter with her. Bob. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And that was it for Bob and Roger. Bob said the two didn't speak until Roger was on his deathbed. His brothers called me and said, Bob, he's asked to see you. So I went up to see the little old dried up guy there in the bed and he ra- he ra- rallied a bit Bob said and he apologised he said Bob I've got the money and the means and the equipment he said as quick as I get well you are going to go down to California with me and capture the Bigfoot well that was the afternoon and he was dead in the morning Ah, so that was the end of Roger so Bob said he forgave Roger at that point but his anger still boiled he seized that he had turned that it had turned into a payday for others, but not for him. So uh, Bob was pissed off. At all Even this. the imposter Bob was exactly. making money off this. Exactly. Mm. And Bob, who 
at this point as well, people were making fun of it. Like it turned into a big laughing stock. Yeah. And uh, obviously loads of it, it. People were debunking it. Some guy who I watched a YouTube video with it was touring at the universities at that stage saying he had made this costume for the guys and he Ooh. brought this costume with him. This video of this uh, and he was quite convincing. Yeah. But it didn't the costume he had. It mm. didn't really look like the one in the film. Anyway. That's fascinating. I that know that guy creeped out of the woodwork. Oh, loads of Either loads of mad stuff. Having did. made the costume, which is creepy, yeah, or having not, which is weirder. Exactly, but he was fully touring around with this. That's how big this thing was. So, uh, but for Bob, it was just. Remind me, this is the fifties, isn't it? This is the sixties. Okay. Yeah. So he said people would occasionally screech into his driveway in the middle of the night, shout taunts about going Bigfoot hunting. The ridicule when the ridicule reached his wife at her bank job, that was the breaking point. They'd razz her about it where she was working and she'd come home bawling and saying, Oh God, Bob, I wish you had never gone down there with Roger. So Bob disowned Bigfoot and stopped doing interviews and answering mail about it. He basically wouldn't talk about it for nearly thirty five years. Mm. Yeah. Sad. Mm. But then in two thousand and three, along came a Russian scientist named Dmitry. Bayanov. So Bayanov has written about Sasquatch as well as what they call the Russian snowman. So that another kind of Yeti version. He came to the US to attend a conference in California and convinced Bob Gimlin to go with him. Reluctantly, Bob agreed to tell the story of Willow Creek to a room of attendees. In a video of the talk, you can see Bob, his moustache not yet white, clearly unsure of what to expect. The video is amazing. Well, it just that he's... he's Is he in his 60s by now? Yeah, possibly. But he stands up in front of the room full of people. He's really fuck. He's obviously really nervous. Mm, yeah. And he starts talking kind of quiet. Uh, the whisper of the t- of him and Roger heading down to the creek. And uh, while the video is playing on this big screen behind him. And then at the end of his talk, he got, uh, after a bit of silence, he got this massive thundering applause. And, you know, it was a nice moment. Yeah. So Bob said it was like lifting a weight off my shoulders. There were all these people just anxious to hear what went on. And believed me. And when I walked into the room at standing ovation, I thought, wait a minute, how did this turn around? So once again, Bigfoot had changed Bob's life. He discovered that not only was he accepted by this community of believers, he was revered. So in his 35 years of silence, the Patterson Gremlin film became legendary amongst Bigfoot enthusiasts. He started going to Bigfoot conferences again, giving interviews, signing autographs. Uh... So anyway, his wife is still totally unimpressed by the whole fucking thing and wishes he wouldn't do that. Um, (laughs) So to sort an agreement Bob has made with the world, he says he knows what he saw. If you don't believe him, fine, uh, but you're the sucker. So he strongly believes that if a real one walked into the house, sat down at a table or at best. uh, Look, he basically goes on to say that he's it's just believable from Bob's perspective. Like, isn't it? But then the suggestion uh, has, a, uh, has arisen that people write about it a lot that uh, Patterson, Roger, set this whole fucking thing up. Yeah, wrote and that Bob, Bob was in, a patsy. Exactly, an innocent. He needed a kind of a witness. Yeah. And, and to give it the ring of truth. But what is really interesting is that it still hasn't been disproven. I don't know whether it's just that you can't disprove something like that. If it's just a piece of footage, you're like, well... I guess because there's too many variables of what it, how it could be faked. Like, there's no way of pinpointing. Like, it could be someone in a suit. It could be a costume. It, I, I doubt that it's the best thing footage. Is, this is good, though. So, But this v- piece of video does suggest that actually Bob was in on the hoax. But what it is, is somebody's pieced together a... It's a specific way that, uh, Pat, what's his name again? Patterson? 
Roger Roger Patterson walks. walks. And it's a little, can you see there, Cass? It's a little uh, kind of a video that's mashed up with Bigfoot walking with Patterson. (laughs) It's actually very convincing. (laughs) Oh my God, that's very convincing. And I was going to say. So this is suggesting Bigfoot's walk was very human-like. Yeah. Yeah. But what they've looked at. But the arms swinging, the weird, because he's he's got on you, it's not swinging directly by his side. His arms are kind of bent. So what they've managed to do in, like it's kind of, very what they think is accurately like figure out what size this thing is or a person yeah and it's over nine or t- it's close to ten foot tall so they have Ooh. that much and the way the body is proportioned and from where the elbow is swinging and like it's either an extremely tall person or some kind of advanced animatronic because obviously this was a what, what was it filmed 1958 or something you know there wasn't like advancements in animatronics to that degree maybe not for an amateur like presumably Patterson wouldn't get a get a hold of it yeah Yeah. like when I saw the arms I was like oh that's just the arms are extended within the costume because it's not that easy to really perceive how tall the thing is but if they've kind of made headway and like decided it's nine foot or ten foot then that seems to have been agreed that it is but like it could there could be like I mean stilts or something like that yeah, I yeah, mean yeah, all of that is plenty of ways that it could yeah yeah be do you want to hear the story of it of the a, finger the finger yes, in the I knickers De- definitely I'd see if I can get a good title for this one finger in the knickers is clearly is this the title. A, is this related or is this a second it's like story? this is a different story uh but this happened in the same year 1958 <laughs> Sorry, what did we say the film was filmed? 57? Yeah. So this is the following year. So you can see there's a rumbling of interest, interest. in Sasquatches. Yeah. So, but this one's focusing on a Yeti. Um, so what did, what should we call this again? Finger in the knickers? Oh no, there's a Yeti's finger in my knickers <laughs> or something. Anyway. There's definitely better puns to be made. There, <laughs> I know there is. I can't think of any. So it's called. So this is from a thing that. So it's the Pang Bosch hand. So it was once to believe to be that of a Yeti. And uh, there's a photograph to go with this. But it was photographed by Peter Byrne, one of the explorers who found it in 1958. So even for a Yeti story, this true tale of the Pang Bosch hand is too fantastic to believe to be believed. So after hearing rumors of this Yeti's hand housed in a small town, in the Himalayas, American oil man and Yeti hunter Tom Slick, his actual name, asked <laughs> explorer Peter Byrne to go to Nepal and retrieve it. Sorry, is the, is the Himalayas in Nepal? Uh, you're asking the wrong person. I think that they border on Nepal and China. Yeah. And. Uh, OK, so I was sort of right. The, Tibet? I mean, there's a yeah. few countries, I think. Anyway. Right. Well, anyway. Oh, God, I'm, I'm scared. So now. this, what have I this exposed? Yeti's hand was yeah. housed in a, a temple. So when the temple custodians told Byrne he couldn't have the hand, mm. he returned and gave his employers the bad news. So he gave Slick the bad news. So instead of calling it quits, Slick and his partner uh, hatched a new plan to send Byrne back to Nepal with a human finger to replace the Yeti finger that they wanted. Right. Okay. So, so is it a finger or a hand? Well, it's a whole hand, but what they wanted to come back home with was a finger. Right. Mm-hmm. In order to find out, I guess, do tests on it. Or, yeah. Or just a half. So over lunch with Byrne at a London restaurant, um, Slick took out a brown paper bag, tilted it over the table, and a human hand spilled out. It was several months old and dried, <gasps> Byrne told the BBC decades later. I never asked him where he got it from. Strange. A human hand? Yes. Yeah. How uh, do they think so, they're going to replace? 
Unless they make a Yeti glove to put on the human hand. Well, from the picture, it all is very um, decomposed. So what you're looking at is what looks like an enormous skeleton's hand. Okay. So maybe they thought like they could sort of, I don't know, this was the plan. So then back in Nepal with the human hand in tow, Byrne made an offer. uh, He offered to make a donation to the temple in exchange for one finger from the Pan Bosch hand. And he also offered to replace the human finger. So he said, all right, guys, I'll give you a level with you. I have a hand here. Yeah. You've got a hand I want. Let's just do a little switcheroo here. Yeah. I'll give you cash and this finger. Love it. Okay. So solid. The custodians accepted. (laughs) And even after all that, this is where the story gets even stranger. So Slick asked his friend, actor James Stewart, (laughs) who was a famous actor at the time, a star of It's a Wonderful Life, Vertigo, and at least a dozen other classics, to help Byrne smuggle the finger back to London, believing a celebrity could slip through customs more easily. Now, he managed to get a human hand through on the way over without thinking too hard about it. Yeah. But I guess this Yeti finger was more precious because hands are two a penny. (laughs) (laughs) So also carrying a human hand would raise a lot more questions than carrying a Yeti finger. So I don't know. I think you just like put your hand, the hand down your sleeve and like just hold on to it. Just one thing about Byrne, like he doesn't like you looking at his hand. So uh, (laughs) just don't draw attention to it. Um, so Stuart, James Stewart and his wife Gloria were in India at the time and once Byrne got over the border from Nepal to India he met Stuart, James Stewart in Calcutta. There they stowed the finger in a pair of Gloria's knickers <laughs> in her lingerie case and Stuart's uh, and then they made it out of India no problem uh, except for the couple arrived home in London and the lingerie case was missing out of her bag. I know. So a few days went by before a customs officer returned the case with the finger inside the knickers. Of course, the customs officer likely knew nothing of the finger, assuring Gloria that no British customs office official would look through a lady's lingerie. Strange. Oh. So why'd it go missing? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the story of the Yeti finger, the knickers. And well, as a kind of a sad moment, it was not a Yeti's finger at all. Just a big finger Just from a big <laughs> human. Yeah, just a large finger. Do you have a picture of it? No. Okay. What, the hand? Yeah. Sure, you can see the hand. Let me just get it up here. Uh, so there, that's my Yeti sas- Sasquatch. There's loads of stories. So maybe I'll just bring you one a week for a while. Excellent. <laughs> Do you believe? Uh, obviously, no, in my mind. But the fact that that... Yes, the, in your heart. <laughs> yes. Correct. There's the hand. That is one... There's the missing finger. Scuzzy looking hand. Great. Some more content for the Instagram. Um, so there you go. Do you believe? I feel like what well, it's always billed as like the kind of missing link between our ape ancestors and humans. Well, I think that and that, that whole like, concept is debunked because we didn't come from one lineage, you know, in that in, the, in that simplified sense. So, yeah. But it kind of makes sense that there isn't more animals that are somewhat in between. So, I get yeah, that. I guess so. Yeah, I guess you're like right. Like as in, but like as in, it makes sense to my uneducated, non-scientific mind. It's just. But sad. I think what doesn't make sense to me is that the remains of Wouldn't these have animals been haven't, haven't been, been found. found. Like we found the remains of all the dinosaurs and blah everything. I think that's the biggest uh, thing going against the old. Uh, Sasquatch yeah, truthers mm. and unless, I want yeah, them to be happy unless, unless they're immortal and they don't die well or they live for like b- 
billions. Or there's only two of them. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. You're very, very welcome. O D W Y E R. Who's up next? Cassie, are going to give us a teaser? I'm, I am um, the worst dating story of all time. Okay. In my mind, I have a worse one. <laughs> okay. Challenge. Extended. So there's this. To give context to why I'm telling this story, um, several people have told me variations of this story. Bet you I know it. And then the you probably do because this like, is brilliant. I was gonna do this. Oh wait, is this the one about the what? Uh, the what? Okay, come on. Okay. Well, we both think it's the same one, so let's go. Okay, so this is a story that's been doing the rounds, and then recently I got a voice note. Like you know the way these. I, I, this is my new favorite trend. Is people sharing voice notes forwarding voice notes of people telling stories and they all turned out to be hoaxes but this one was told brilliantly and it was by a girl who was like eating something as she told it so it was really like (laughs) just like a passive tale given so much truth by the fact that she was just throwing it out there Um, you know that I coined a term for that mode of gossip in my forthcoming book amazing I can't remember what the term is I forget. Plug it anyway. Oh, for fuck's sake. So new book is out in later anyway. this year. She can't remember the title First or the September. plot or whatever, but just Google Soapy White sometime uh, around uh, September. Okay, go. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. So I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a version of the story that I found on the internet in 2011. Right. So uh, this is from a blog called Above Top Secret and it's called A Story That Everyone Should Read in Brackets Very Disturbing. (gasps) Okay. Recently I met up with an old friend from school to hang out. We hadn't seen each other in a while and I thought it would be fun if we went to a club and danced a little bit. So I suggest the idea but she said I don't go to clubs anymore. This really surprised me. My friend had always been such an outgoing party person so I asked why not? Then she told the story of a girl she met. Let's say her name is Gloria. This is the story. Gloria always went to nightclubs. She loved dancing and was part of her weekly routine. Friday clubbing. But one night... It <laughs> She's was a party people. One night it was different. She met a guy. He was very smart, handsome and charismatic. Gloria spent the night dancing with him. At some point they had ended up, in, uh, ended up making out. But then Gloria had to leave the club. She had to get up early for the work the next day. She worked on Saturdays. The, this person who's telling the story loves brackets. Very pedantic <laughs> storyteller here. They exchanged numbers to meet again sometime in the future. That Saturday, the guy Gloria had met the night before called and asked her to hang out at his house. Gloria told him that she was unable to because she was busy with work. A couple of days later, Gloria developed a rash around her mouth. Scared that she might have contracted an STD, she went to the doctors to figure out the cause of the rash. This is not our story, so no. Oh. When the doctors came back with the results, they told her that the only way to receive a rash like that is if she had intimate contact with someone who eats people. (gasps) Gloria immediately called the cops and gave them the guy's home address. The cops then told her they had already had the guy in custody for murder and cannibalism. (gasps) A similar version of this story was tweeted on the 7th of February 2017 by a a Twitter user called Jacques Jacques. Um, a woman called Jacqueline and this version of the story was picked up by a couple of online publications oh I love it when they do that do we have an origin country Uh, so a lot of it goes back to Malta it was because it was covered in the national Malta news in I think 2010 
right? <laughs> so Jacqueline starts her the Twitter thread. News. But the, hang on, that gives it some... The independent, the Malta independent. Um, so Jacqueline starts her Twitter thread. Um, I've already told so many people, but I'm about to tell all of Twitter the craziest real life true story I heard this week. This girl, she's real, went on a Tinder date with this guy. She's real. <laughs> first date. The date goes well and they hook up after the date. They have sex and whatever she lets this guy whatever she lets this guy come all over her face and chest I'm, I'm by the way I'm driving down to Claire with my mother on Friday and she's definitely going to listen to this and I just probably chose the wrong story so I'm really sorry <laughs> really sorry um, well the next day she wakes up with a rash all over her face and chest area where he came so she reaches out to him and lets him know that she's got a rash and she's going to go to the doctor so she goes to the doctor and the doctor says it's not any type of STD STI so she'll have to go see a dermatologist she goes to the dermatologist, presumably that day, what a fantastic healthcare system. And the dermatologist tells her that she has tiny parasites under the skin where the rash is. And, brackets, this is where it gets fucking crazy. The dermatologist says that there's only two ways a man can get these types of parasites in his semen. One, if he's having sex with animals. Or two, having sex with dead people. So she looks this guy up on Surely Facebook. dead animals. And guess where he fucking works? A morgue. Okay I'd say they're all at this In the morgue Yeah Way to just Absolutely annihilate (laughs) Potentially a huge portion Of our listeners Jen Come on (laughs) Right So this story appears In variations Pretty much everywhere On the internet In 2010 It was covered On the um, On the Times of Malta and they actually named um, the Matter Day Morgue. And it, it was... Has uh, to be real. The Matter Day Morgue had to come out and deny that they had all um, any kind of... Uh, no one had ridden a dead Yeah, guy, yeah, girl. yeah. So a Matter Day Hospital Management denies all these facts and condemns the circulation of such unfounded morbid news, which is causing great pressure on the staff who work in the hospital mortuary, right? Basically, it's an old urban legend, like it's just an, uh, like it appears ever it's there's some consistencies to every version of the story it's always a friend of a friend they're always meeting in a nightclub and they make out she always has to go to work the next day so she doesn't go back to his house and she doesn't meet up with him she either gets a rash around her mouth or on her chest and she goes to the doctor and the doctor she thinks it's cold so she goes to the doctor the doctor says it's from having sex with dead people or from cannibalism right it's so oh, consistent can we d- go on but in my research of it, so I was like, there has to be something. Can this actually happen, right? There is one entry in the Journal of Infectious Diseases and Obstetrics of Gynecology. Obstetrics. Obstetrics. That's my eyesight. It's going. Oh, yeah. 29. Oh, yeah. And uh, the study is called vulvar myasis. Is that it? Myasis. It's M Y. Vulvar myasis. It's M Y A I A S I S. Myasis. I don't know. It sounds funny. Vulva myasis. Vulva. Yeah. And nice. basically, it is an actual case of a 19-year-old pregnant girl who was diagnosed with this vulvar myasis. And um, syphilis, uh, vaginal trichum, I can't pronounce medical things, but I'll put them in the show notes and another another vaginal genital thing. And she also tested positive for HIV. Um, So basically that study found that she did have. um, So sorry, the story has often been like 
disproven because the idea that you would get parasites through semen is just apparently medically impossible and you wouldn't pick up you actually wouldn't pick up parasites from a corpse it would be maggots okay so this girl that'd did be pretty have, large i mean you'd notice yeah but eggs it could be okay could just be the legs right yeah. oh. and then they you know they start burrow to in. hatch or burrow That's in true. oh my god so um, flies do this 19 year old girl did have um a maggot infestation in her vulva um in conjunction with four venereal diseases and um so which suggested that the maggots themselves had been sexually transmitted um jesus that is so yeah it's horty it's possible <laughs> is it is possible um Stop. but that that version of the story of it being in a nightclub i think and him turning out to be a cannibal and murder Nonsense. and having people in his house is pretty much nonsense. But, but medically speaking, the, it, it could, could happen. It could, something like it could happen. That is that the is, worst I've ever felt after any story on here. Well, should we tell? We'll save it for next yeah, time. But our story. The other story. <laughs> Ours, you could tell it in like three lines, couldn't you? Girl goes home with a guy. Yeah. She, guy says, oh, I have to leave early for work. So but you can chill out here as long as you want. Just pull the door closed behind you. It'll lock behind you when yeah. you leave. Yeah. She says, great, cool. Uh, Okay, so she takes a big number two in his jacks and couldn't get the thing to flush. Horror of horrors. So she's like, She cannot get this locked down. I'll do the plastic bag trick and I'll put my hand into the plastic bag, turn it inside out. Is this who goes down the... No, no. No, no. She fishes out her giant turd, uh, undoes the bag. Draws the bag back over. Ties a knot in it. Yeah. Then she yeah, thinks she's, she's going to write him a note. Yeah. Because she, she had a really nice night. She definitely oh, wanted to see him again. Oh, she left the bag she of really... shit on the table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she left the note down, bag of shit on, went to leave, uh, left. Left. And that was the Slammed end Slammed the, the door behind her. Yeah. Realised she was holding the note, but not the bag no, of shit. She left the note with the shit. Because I remember the visual of him getting the confusing <laughs> note with her shit. Had such a great time. I'm thinking she's totally trolling him. <laughs> anyway that was our story that one is famous anyway come on give it to us give me a dog uh, what do you call it a byline a headline yeah bylines headlines okay let me just get rid of this um, I went all Thanks, I went Cassie. all the way through my disgusting. manuscript to find out that I hadn't called the thing a very interesting name at all I've just called them viral voice notes Saws. That's all right. Okay, so I may fine. I may need to work that more. Okay, so I have a few Still headlines. Still plugging anyway. That's the main thing. I've actually had a few different headlines for this one. Um. Okay. We're the all, we're all eating away from the mics. Does everyone eat away from mics? I'll take it from here. <laughs> okay. The OG Kim Kardashian slash the person. Who more than anyone else who has ever lived took Oscar Wilde's famous quote, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about to heart. Are you having any hints from this? Sorry, are you saying that Kim Kardashian said this? No, this is like, I'm, one of my headlines was this is the original Kim Kardashian. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Um, Yes. Is it that mad bitch, Anna, what's her face? Yes. Yes. Sorry, who now? The okay, so I've I finally I finally called it the life and ruin of Anna Nicole Smith. Yes, I'm so happy that you guys are so gleeful. I love Anna Nicole. 
I'm actually amazed. I actually, I knew that you, because we went there together. We lived it together. But I wasn't too sure if you would be that into her. I'm fascinated on the peripheries because I don't know an awful lot about her. But I've seen some things. I thought. Her weird ass baby daddy. I don't know that. Yeah. Um, okay, I thought that I knew everything there was to know about her and 4,000 words later, I am like, fuck, I'm going to just wrap through a lot of this. But Anna Nicole Smith, literally more than anyone else who has ever lived, took the famous quote, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about, to heart. So she died in 2007. Very sad. And I left a little baby behind. Yeah, she absolutely did. And the amount of coverage of her death in the States equaled the amount of coverage of Princess Diana's death mm. in the UK. Really? She was yes. completely fascinating. Like, literally, what was her, one... Wasn't she just married to a billionaire? Well, I'm about to tell you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Sorry, I'm going to stay silent now. No, no, I want... Okay, I'll talk about the bits. I really want to discuss this. Right, because it's know, a long same. one, right? We're going to put it... We're, we're going to do, like... 10 solid minutes storytelling. Okay, Little I'll try it. One minute insert of questions. So save your questions. Save your questions. Okay, so the intensity of the coverage of her death was insane. Major news channels covered little else for like weeks, mentioning her a hundred times a day. One source um, compared, or one source tallied up her mentions that numbered in the hundreds compared to, say, 20 references to Iraq at the time and US. Uh, like we're in Iraq mobilizing troops. They were talking about Anna Nicole like more than a hundred times as much. Um, internet sites were continually crashing because of the high volume of traffic. What Everyone wanted. Self- this is 2007. She was on the front page of every tabloid for weeks. Like it seemed there was just no end for the public's appetite for Anna Nicole Smith. Uh, as had kind of been the case on and off since she first kind of came into the public eye so she has like she's the kind of life that you cannot believe so many things happened to that one person like her life story would be too outrageous for fiction it's like so many different lives slammed into one life that spanned barely four decades Um, like the extent of her triumphs is quite mind-boggling when you consider where she came from. I'm going to Google and, image her while you talk. And the breadth of the tragedy in her life is, is truly devastating. Mm-hmm. Like it's a story that is just outsized in every way a story can be outsized, which completely sums up her too. Like her physicality, her personality. She was big mm-hmm. in every way, the good and the bad ways, I guess, in that like it was totally her ruin too. So when she died... A a reporter in The Observer wrote, I said I couldn't stop thinking about Anna Nicole Smith to her friend. And he said he couldn't either. For a moment, it felt as though we might need to form some sort of recovery program. And then he told me something that has stayed with me ever since. He said, the thing I can't work out is, did she have a good life or a bad life? Obviously, I thought he was crazy. What are you talking about? I said, the woman had the most miserable life on the planet. 
No, he said. What I mean is, it might look miserable to you or me, but did she have the life she wanted? And it's basically was a really pertinent question because we had never seen a celebrity like Anna Nicole Smith mm-hmm. before. That's why I suggested she like might be the kind of original Kardashian. You know, we'd never seen somebody so hungry for fame that they were willing to throw everything, Could even dignity at it. She was mm-hmm. more like the original Winehouse. Like she... Well, no, because no, Winehouse because had I talent. Don't think she had her talent. Well... She did well in, in a sense. Like she was an very model beautiful, but and like she was very good at modeling. Why I mean, she was she a model? No, she wasn't, she and was. she was a model for like a hot minute. Those jeans ads were. I know, but that was literally the tiniest portion of her actual career. But she was such a victim of it all. Yeah, but like, okay, so maybe she shares that with Amy Winehouse, but. I just think that like, as I said, like she literally decided I'm going for this and I'm going to throw everything I have at it. And, and she was going for fame rather than money. Then, or, or rather, or rather than, than like recognition yeah. or being revered. Yeah. Or pursuit of a very like highly revered career. Totally. Um, like she, and she had kind of all the fame and friends and a lot of the attendant stuff and all of the attention. Uh, but none of the kind of, I suppose, like things that make fame really worthwhile. Like, say, achieving in your career and having talent that's recognized, like making money, stuff like that. Like, you know, like Trump, Donald Trump was said to have dated her. Hugh Hefner was her friend. Um, as Gabby Hoff in uh, The Guardian says, she positioned herself perfectly at the all-American intersection of sex, fame, money, and tragedy. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's it. Like, uh, people kind of knew her, but it was, they knew of her in terms of headlines. Mm. Wasn't she the Playboy money who'd married a near-death millionaire? He, and you, you can see, that's the picture that's in my mind, is her oh, totally, kissing yeah. him. When he's extremely elderly and he's yeah. just kind of ailing like yeah. while she's kissing him yeah it looks like i'm i've cornered a near corpse here yeah um was she what the a, overweight what an interesting theme of this episode mm, isn't it always never far from that theme mm. um was she the overweight slimming company rep uh didn't That's she just right. have a baby wait did she lose the baby? Like all of these things, you know, it was, we just knew her in terms of chaos, headlines and yeah. chaos. Yeah. Um, and yet nobody really seemed to know her. Like she lived to just uh, 39. She became, as her life progressed, so super isolated from her original family. This was documented in her reality show. This was documented in every form that existed from the early 90s. Was it an MTV documentary or that reality was e show? Is, e. Yeah. It was fucking tragic. Even back then, it felt so wrong to be watching this person. I know, but it was a huge hit because... Oh, gross, like desperately sad. She was obviously addicted to prescription drugs. Yes. And she completely... Barely able to speak through the, all the f- filming. It was... I've never seen it. Like, you couldn't believe what you were watching. That's, that oh, they were you're watching somebody who's very, completely out of so it. So sad. So, okay. Um, how did she go from sexy bombshell to sad train wreck? And I hate saying that. It's just... That's how she was absolutely perceived. Um, when I think of her trajectory, I think of Marilyn Monroe. And 
Anna Nicole Smith was completely obsessed with Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. But basically, I always think of it like Anna Nicole Smith was almost like a continuation of Marilyn. That like, but unlike Marilyn, basically she didn't uphold her end of the fame bargain. So like with Marilyn, Marilyn also died at 40. She was an obedient, thin, small, quiet object. Whereas I see Anna Nicole Smith as having rebelled against that. Mm-hmm. And her rebellion basically was living. And as such, she became a site for like this relentless scorn being poured mm-hmm. on her. So it was mostly wasn't around the weight gain that at all. A lot of like people were outraged. How dare she get exactly, fat? exactly? How dare she ruin the fantasy by being human? You know, less. I've actually yeah. Her main transgression appeared to be being human. Yeah. Like she was insecure. She needed love. She wanted money. She wanted attention. They're the things we all want. But the savvy among us know better than to reveal this want so boldly. Yes. But Anna Nicole's desperation was palpable. Mm. And I think that's why we couldn't look away. And mm-hmm. we just fucking couldn't. And we fueled it. And our interest relentlessly kind of piled like more timber on this fucking dumpster fire. And like burning in the fire was this person like it's fucking crazy and um, that there wasn't more think pieces about it <laughs> I've actually written one here well it, um, it was sort of the, it was there, at the time it was the beginning of reality TV am I kind of right in saying that yeah like 2002, 2002 was, um, was Big Brother kick off their um, her show oh, her was show. 2002 I can't remember okay. when the Osbournes were because um, um, I feel like they're kind of an early one as well yeah. So anyway, like I said, her life is too outrageous for fiction. She was born in 1967 in Houston, Texas, into diabolical circumstances. Her given name was Vicky Lynn Hogan. Vicky Lynn. Rough as guts is her family set up. Like a lack of education, a lot of disadvantage. The first bit... In my mind, it's kind of Honey Boo Boo-esque. Remember that that girl from Thingy? Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of worse, to be honest, but... Mm. Very, very poor. Trailer Park kind of scene, or...? Yeah, the first bit is very, very sad and harsh. Basically, Anna Nicole Smith's father was utter scum. He had already raped her mother's younger oh, sister God. by the time Anna Nicole Smith was born. The little sister was only 10 years old. Oh, God. So Christ. We'll have to put a content warning at the top. Um... At the t- yeah, at the time, um, he was immediately kicked out. Thankfully, this is fucking enraging. He pled guilty to that rape and to that of another underage girl, and then he spent six months in jail, which is fucking astounding. Then he got out um, to start up a second family. In case you were in any doubt about how fucked up this world is, um. Anna Nicole Smith, or sorry, Vicky, she was still Vicky Lynn. Vicky Lynn's mother, Virgie, spent her life trying to just keep the father away from Vicky, mm-hmm. her daughter. And it kind of produced a bit of a weird reaction in the young Anna Nicole Smith. She actually really resented this. Okay. I but would did she say, understand the reasons for her mother's? She probably didn't. She probably wasn't outward, outrightly told why she can't go near her father and why her father's unsafe. Yeah. Think? Yeah, I mean, it's, I can only speculate. You can't tell a child that. You can't. Yeah, you yeah. And so anyway, um, the mother, very sadly, was completely right about Donald Hogan, who went on to um, abuse his uh, next daughters, oh, Anna Nicole's half-siblings. Um, she didn't meet any of these people, her half-siblings, um, 
or anybody until she was in her 20s and she actually hired a detective to track it all down. Mm-hmm. So it does sound like, yeah, she may have been in the dark about a lot of the stuff that was going on. But it's just such a messed up scenario to be coming sort from. Sort of suggesting that her interest in the very old, was sort of daddy issue type situation. Well, look, I guess she had an absence because it wasn't even like her father wasn't around. She had zero contact with him. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, during high school, relations with her mom, Virgie, like completely deteriorated. And it's kind of, it's a bit of a weird one. Because on the one hand, Virgie was deputy sheriff in their town. Which suggests a kind of bit of status. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of other aspects of the family and their situation, like, does not kind of tally with that. Like, they were really poor. And Virgie... At different times, like when she was punishing Anna Nicole, would handcuff her, like using her deputy sheriff handcuffs. So, you know, it's all not great. Um, Vicky Lynn was bullied in school, um, which she later attributed to being down to the fact that she was flat chested. She has a very simplistic outlook, I guess. Mm -hmm. And... I think from not, she just wanted to be loved, I think, on a massive scale. Like nothing could ever probably supply her with that, Mm -hmm. with what she needed. She eventually was expelled um, at 16 for being involved in some fisticuffs. I just said fisticuffs there to lighten the mood. Nice. Right, Thank yeah. you. Um, see, she went on then to work in Jim's Crispy Fried Chicken, where she fell in love with Billy Smith, a teenage fry cook, which is such an image for me. A regular love story. I know. I worked in McDonald's mm. when I was 19, and like, I feel like I can literally smell this courtship. Um, ick. I'm I mean, kind of into it. We've I'm all really been there. Hungry. I used to wash my McDonald's uniform in a bathtub and literally stir it with a stick. It was so, it was so gross. Anyway, so in 1985, at the age of 18, she asked him to marry her. Uh, It lasted less than a year, but there was enough time for him to allegedly abuse her and for her to give birth to a baby boy. So the chaos just Mm. is continuing. She has more than one child. Yes. So... Um, he was born when she was 18. Okay. She left the six-month-old baby with her mother and moved into a trailer park. So kind of fulfilling, I guess, that kind of image of her is kind of the trailer trash, mm-hmm. sort of like bosomy, hot, kind of slightly brassy sort of girl, woman, you know, um, that she then kind of became really famous for. So anyway, she moved in with a hairdresser who dyed her hair blonde. Let the glow up begin. Right, Okay. So she got a day job at a topless bar, but she wasn't getting any of the night shifts because um, they felt that she needed to do something about her figure. Um, people, and was she very skinny at this stage or was she like she said she's really flat chest and stuff like what is her well, physique? And um, people who knew her in the first place very horribly said she was big everywhere except where it counted. That's a Aww. quote. I know. So she was 5'11 and about... 160 pounds so I don't know what that is I mean I feel like that might be about me I don't know no, I, feel I feel like, like yeah I feel 10 like half, 11 stone Jesus Christ are you serious well 140 pounds is 10 stone that's nothing 14 pounds in a stone no. but anyway it's not even about that it's such a fucking horrible sentiment <laughs> but yeah so oh yeah that is literally like I am 
It's 72 kilos. 72 and a half. Yeah, it's I am me, five but add two and inches. And I'm 5'11 and 70 kilos with small titties. But anyway, Cassie, it doesn't matter. Now because we've decided to tell you fa- that's unacceptable. <laughs> You're a hideous monster. <laughs> okay, there goes so my future career in future a toddler's bar. Working nights Shucks. in, what was this place called again? <laughs> Fuck, I've lost it. Rick's Cabaret. You'll never get to the nighttime slot, Cassie Delaney. Okay, Aww. so reports differ on how she went from no cle- cleavage to boobylicious. Um, Anna reports Nicole, differ. Anna She's Nicole got a boob job. No, Anna Nicole Smith <laughs> insisted that they were a bonus side effect of her pregnancy. Okay. But then when a friend admired her 42 double Ds <laughs> and they apparently grew to a F, double F cup requiring specially made bras, Vicky Lynn reportedly said, feel them babies all you want. You're looking at $14 worth $14,000 worth of work here. <laughs> Hell, I could have bought myself a new trip for these da- what these damn babies cost. Okay. That is amazing. Fantastic accent. And I'm going to insert a GoFundMe link for my boob job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she got her boobs, big shit energy and started getting gigs at other bars that were called things like legs. Baby O's, Gigi's Cabaret. And she made money on the side in their parking lots. Doing what? You I'd can say hands on kind of hands, hands jo- on hands work. Jobs. Titty wanks. Yeah. Let's just take fucking. Oh, ages. I keep forgetting I'm actually physically in the car with my mother right now. Ah. So. <laughs> Fun. That'll be a funny moment. Weird. You, like time travel. Okay, so in 1991, a life-changing opportunity presented itself when she saw an ad Playboy were recruiting. Mm-hmm. It is a life dream of Vicky Lynn's to be a Playboy bunny. She went along to, they did a kind of shoots with a photographer to do the headshots, topless shots. I wouldn't have thought Playboy were interested in headshots. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And... Um, so she's she's still so young, like she's barely twenty. Yeah. Um, and well, she's twenty two, but despite being a dancer, she's actually she was actually really nervous having her um, shots taken. Um, like she actually told the photographer on that shoot that she, despite being very liberated in other ways, ha- didn't ever even have sex with the lights on. Hmm. Um. In the accompanying questionnaire, she wrote that her ambitions were to become a playmate and to have a daughter. And when asked if there was one thing it's she a weird could change, couple of things. You I got know, there. and quite harsh on the son that like might still be in the mother's trailer. Oh, right? Yeah, like, good point. I mean, they she did then they connect back up for sure. I'm just not actually sure at exactly what moment they she starts kind of mm-hmm. being more engaged with him, Danny Daniel. Anyway, she said like the flaw of her character she likes changes that I'm too kind hearted sometimes. People take advantage of me. Um, I don't know where that accent is from, by the way. I'm it's really just, enjoying it. Though. Okay. It's going to get really slurry later, mm-hmm. uh, sadly, and like slowed way down. So around this time, um, when she's still a relative unknown, she meets J. Howard Marshall, who is really into strip clubs and takes a real shine to um Vicky Lynn mm-hmm. it's great timing because his recently he's just like previous mistress who he also met in this exact way as well in a strip club has just died Aww. on the operating table um getting her boobs done right so timing 
J. Howard Marshall. He's at J. Howard Marshall the second. R.I. Booby. R.I. Booby. Um, so he apparently immediately fell in love with her. And she had this kind of like kind of Marilyn-esque baby voice that mm-hmm. she cultivated, which he was very into. And she used to go on Papa in Poopsie Baby. He would Gosh. slip her envelopes full of cash. Right. Anything from a grand yeah. to 5k just across the table as she danced and they became kind of like he shared her in gifts mm-hmm. they were basically kind of an item although like later reports definitely have stated that they never had sex right and okay. didn't kiss on the mouth more than 10 times look at him you could he couldn't have sex i mean he's what 80 he's 80 something years old and obviously like just a billionaire um, Amazing that a But man's... they got on great They got yeah. on great Okay, okay. <laughs> So In March Of the following year 1992 uh, Vicky Lynn Lands The cover of Playboy Which Stunning. is obviously Just such a huge um, but Dream come iconic true Iconic looking Like she looks like The Her absolute cover Quintessential Beauty Like She looks like Jane Mansfield but, On the cover totally, Of Playboy with a huge pair Like of it's tits. actually Quite a classy By Playboy's standards Shoot Like She's wearing a ball gown And it's very Like Her face Is so stunning Yeah That I suppose even Playboy We're like Ah we'll let her have the face on too But she's like Got really fine features And this big Kind of like Platinum blonde hair This incredible figure That is just like Yeah the hourglass Kind of Oh so is this the first one Where she's wearing this Kind of opera gown Yes Yeah There is a different version Of it I think Where it's just Head and shoulders Yeah And she It's black and white And she's looking back At the camera Anyway, she, she is she completely stunning. Covers, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's done a couple of covers. Is this the? So this is ninety. This that's is this the one Jane. That's, that's the one. The Playmate of the Year, which was just a few months later. Yeah. But the first cover is the post debutante one. Yeah, which was a kind of uh, Jane Mansfield homage. I so will she put got five hundred dollars. And then she got the centerfold a few months later for twenty grand. Wow. So it's a huge leap. And then when she was voted Playmate of the Year, which is the black and white cover, she got a hundred K and a brand new Jag. Nice. So like everything, like from I, my dad's a, f- a friggin' child rapist and I married to an 18 year old fry cook. She now has a Jag and a hundred grand money she's earned. And, you know, not only that, but like she's about to kind of crack the kind of into the mainstream. Playboy, Playboy's like quite mainstream in America though, because it's not really a dirty, it's not like porny porn. So people in kind of like, I think just general media and, and Hollywood and things like that, like it's definitely not like taboo to do Playboy exactly. Yeah. But anyway... She was about to make it big, massively so, as you said, in the guest jeans. Um, oh, phenomenal. Did you just Google those photos? Oh, they are so beautiful. Uh, Anna Nicole Smith for guests. So basically, guests were, what, chose her to replace, like, Claudia Schiffer and Eva Herzegova, who were the supermodels of the age. So it was just like this unbelievable ascent, you know? She was... Offered a three-year, multi-million-dollar contract. 
Wow. And that is when she took the name Anna Nicole Smith. And where did um, that come from? Smith is the guy she married. That's true, Billy Smith, yeah. I don't, I actually didn't catch where Anna Nicole came from. <laughs> Sounds fancy. But Vicky Lynn was officially dead. And this guest campaign, I cannot wait to look like this after I get my titty job. <laughs> Thanks to the eight and a half thousand creep dive listeners. <laughs> if y'all just give me a euro. <laughs> hey, you're actually there. No, you can get one. Really? Depends how big like I want to go. Tit. Yeah, no, she could get something. Yeah, we'll, we'll give her a bit of yours. You floats. I have massive tits. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so. She also then went on to like star in quite decent films. Well, she was in the Hoodsucker Proxy, which is a Coen Brothers sort of screwball comedy. Do you remember it with Tim Robbins? Yeah. And she did kind of play like a flirty, breathy, baby voiced ditzy girl in a bar. Mm. Yeah. But like it was pretty good debut to be in a Coen Brothers movie, I guess. And then she was, she the was in The Naked Gun as well. The time. So I guess she was scooping up all those gigs. Yeah, like she kind of definitely had a bit of a golden period of stellar, you know, career. Or looks-based, savvy. So yeah, She'd totally. have to hold that exact appearance And forever. never talk, basically. Yeah. And I feel like, I was saying this to Zeb earlier, I feel like if somebody had come in right at that moment... And just been like, okay, I'm taking charge. Mm. You, shh. <laughs> like, not like to be bad, but Moss. like, she exactly. Mm-hmm. Never no. complain, never explain. That's Kate Moss's mantra. That could have been Anna Nicole's and she would probably. Also, that desperate, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels, which is fucking horrific. That was Kate Moss. That Kate was Kate Moss, Moss too. Mm. Anyway, fuck that. Thanks for that, Kate jerk um, and I totally beg to differ um, bread bread <laughs> bread butter smoked butter have you had that yet no actually you're the person I, I know who will appreciate some this smoked butter guys, guys, for guys, my new guys. bread my okay new oh yes yeah, yeah. I want to taste some of that that batch. was phenomenal batch. looked really good really good rice yeah, we're never getting out of here okay fine so um, see everything was going so fucking great but then her and bloody J. Howard Marshall decided to go public with their very, very unusual, you know, 63 year age gap relationship. And it was just like, bang, straight away. Like everybody, like basically the culture loves nothing more than to really go after a woman. Mm-hmm. And here we go. This was the perfect. Did she lose her gigs because of this? Um. No, but she was a laughing stock. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so they went public in 1992 and they um, got married um, a couple of years later. Before, So there was 11 guests of Anna Nicole's. Nobody showed up for <laughs> J. Howard Marshall. Um, How much was he worth so far? I think it's definitely over a billion. Okay. Yeah. Um, that comes into it later, actually, during the lengthy court proceedings. <laughs> but basically, they got married at the White Dove Wedding Chapel in Houston. The groom was ushered into the ceremony in a white tuxedo in his wheelchair. He was unable to stand for any part of it. And then when, <laughs> um, after a brief reception held in a side room, Anna waved goodbye to her new husband and left for Greece on the arm of... <laughs> Her tall, black, super fit XCOM bodyguard. 
They but, went on honeymoon. So it seems like they went on honeymoon. <laughs> so um, she basically from then on was just constantly defending her, her actions and saying that like she hadn't been married him for his money. He'd been begging her to marry him for four years. Um, so basically she was now like America's number one gold digger. She had been America's bombshell. And now they had this on her. And like nobody Why held back. Why did she back. need to marry him though? If she was raking in that much cash. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Except that I think that her relationships seemed just so fucked up. Like this very young marriage. There isn't much between the Billy Smith, the first husband, and J. Howard Marshall in terms of like any kind of mm-hmm. functional relationships that were in any way like comparable to say boyfriends and girlfriends we've had Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like I just feel like she actually possibly didn't have a lot of real concept of how like relationships can be and craving security and I suppose like the thing was she was probably like getting through that money pretty fast okay Mm -hmm. she had a lot of needs yeah which we'll get back I'm sure a lot of people were hitting her up as well (sighs) yeah so anyway she became number America's number one favorite butt of the joke um, she was like, you know, the old late night TV circuit got so much mileage out of her. Um, David Letterman's uh, line was that her pickup line had been, can I pre-chew that for you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a quote from Jay Leno. She told him to act his age and he died. <laughs> um, he went on to say, she lives to hear him say those three little words. I can't breathe. <laughs> so this really set the tone for like what was going to become the relationship between Anna Nicole Smith and the American media. Mm. Like they were mocking, but they were obsessed. Yeah. You know, they could not look away. So the same year, this is where things really then turned. So like, remember how you were saying like it went, it was so great. Like she had this career, but it was actually like, uh, over in t- in two years it had completely crashed really yeah. and nosedived so in 1994 so it's the same year that she married um j howard marshall um the new york magazine used a picture of um anna nicole smith on the cover of its august uh, 22nd issue and the headline so in the photo she is like squatting in a short skirt with cowboy boots as she eats chips and I mean, it's 1994. She still looked amazing. Mm-hmm. The headline was White Trash Nation. Yikes. Oh. And so in her, in so immediately, like her then lawyer, sidebar, with Anna Nicole Smith, you have to use things like then lawyer the way with other celebrities you would use like then husband. Yeah. Because lawyers are to Anna Nicole Smith what like husbands are to other people. Right, right. There right, was right. many. They are very important. So her then lawyer, T. Patrick Friedel, sued for five million. They got it? Um, yes. Um, they were settled out of court. Okay. But it was a complete stitch up, basically. Like, they said that they had not, like, been honest or forthcoming with Anna Nicole Smith about what this picture was going to be used mm-hmm. for. And that they had basically been like, oh, it's for, like, an all-American look. So it was really nasty. Absolutely. The marriage going no better, sadly. Within six months of their marriage, um, 
Jay, poor old Jay Howard Marshall was so ill that he'd had to give over power of attorney to his son who immediately cut Anna out of the will mm-hmm. obviously, and refused to let her see her husband. Um, so then like her bills started going unpaid. She had been on an allowance of 50 grand a month. Jesus I know. Christ. <laughs> What a play, what what a way to fall though. I know, <laughs> like it's terrible to get accustomed to something like that. We it. should have a fucking Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she took um, the younger marshal, the son to court to demand visitation rights. So, but I guess that could have been kind of to keep up appearances, uh, knowing that down the line, I am going to have this battle over the will. Mm-hmm. So I need to look like I have cared. Yeah, absolutely. There was, and I, to confirm your question, there was a billion dollars up for grabs when poor old wow. J. Howard Marshall uh, passed, which he eventually did. On the 4th of August, 1995, just 403 days after their wedding. And like for the last however long of that, she had not been allowed to see him except for like very tight time slots and accompanied by... Legal. Armed guards. Right. So I think for the son, it was all about humiliating her. And he was just pissed, I guess. So three days after J. Howard Marshall died, Anna staged a private memorial service. So private that she invited People magazine mm. and several cable channels <laughs> to cover it. She, this is the kind of way, I this is this. the kind of memorial service that like, I feel like you're, your 11 year old self would plan she wore her white wedding dress dress and wept as she sang accompanied by the strains of a white baby grand piano you are the wind beneath my wings she's really looking for a a contract hard aren't you somebody (laughs) please invite me to karaoke I just like karaoke she sang Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings it is you can watch it can't you I feel like I bet you can I mean if the cable news people were there I'm sure you can watch it Um, subsequently a memorial was held by the family Anna was not invited Uh, the head of the funeral home it was the same funeral home all this took place in um, was quoted afterwards saying that he really had his work cut out for him he says quote I handled the Howard Hughes funeral and this one was worse. Oh, God. So even more bizarre and eccentric, presumably. So um, Anna, presumably knowing how shit her chances were of actually getting like half Mm -hmm. the estate or like anything, really. um, She tried to sue for spousal support of half his earnings during the time they'd been married. So actually quite reasonable, measured kind of attempt. How much did that amount to? That would have amounted to possibly 850 grand, I think. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so like actually reasonable, really. But anyway, um, so the son contended that she'd already received what she demanded. Oh, sorry, sorry. What it amounted to was six million. <laughs> sorry, yeah, right. quite a bit more. Just the interest on his whatever. Yeah, answer. yeah. Sorry, six million. So the son um, contended that she'd already received it in the form of gifts. So there was a brilliant list of gifts from J. Howard Marshall to Anna Nicole Smith. House in Los Angeles, 600,000. Jewelry, nearly three million. Wow. Living expenses, 318,000. 
Modeling clothes, 700,000. Ranch in Texas, 700,000. Ranch furnishings, just the 230,000. Car, 20,000. Second car, strangely cost more, 82,000. You think you'd use the better car? But anyway, miscellaneous to the tune of half a million. Christ. (laughs) Total, totaling just over six and a half million dollars. All right. So Anna's response was that all of that jewelry had either been lost or stolen. And Marshall's lawyer said, how could you have lost that much jewelry? Anna replied, I used to be a real ditz. (laughs) As all this was, that's two, three million in jewelry was lost or mislaid. Oh my God. Um, So as all this is going on, right? And this is where it started getting quite difficult to tell her story because there is so many threads running concurrently that you're like, oh my God, the chaos. Like how did she actually manage this shit so like in the mid 90s in 96 she filed for bankruptcy and it was because she had been fined for sexual harassment of her son's nanny what yes so she because of the um judgment against her where she had been found guilty of sexually harassing her child's nanny and was ordered to pay Anna Nicole Smith then had to file for bankruptcy um, in order to pay the 850 grand fine. What was she doing to And the was nanny? she sued by the nanny? She was molesting her. Was she? What? I mean, basically, she sexually assaulted her. Like, yeah. She was, a, like, very sexualized. I'm not, this is not a defense of her, by the way, but, like, I think that this came out a lot in the Anna Nicole Smith show where she was quite sex-obsessed, but in this kind of really kind of creepy way caricature Caricature, yeah we're gonna scroll forward to the early 2000s we're nearly at the Anna Nicole Smith show enter Howard number two Howard K Stern who started out as Anna Nicole Smith's uh, lawyer but ultimately became like a minder uh, became her confidant kind of a zealous puppet master Mm -hmm. of Anna Nicole Smith's life such a weirdo he It definitely seems like he started to really systematically try to isolate her. And he got rid of her original publicist and friend who had been with her since Daniel, the son, was an infant or, you know, thereabouts, like a toddler. Um, uh, He, Howard Kester and the lawyer, founded a talent agency um, so that he could represent absolutely every area of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, It was called Hot Smoochy Lips. And Anna Nicole Smith was his only client. So he featured very frequently in her reality TV show. Right. So that's where she went next. Natch. So lots of people would only have a marriage to a billionaire or an international modeling career or a fucked up childhood or sexual harassment charges during the course of one lifetime. But Anna Nicole Smith did it all. And then she took her particular brand of can't look away magnetism mm-hmm. to the burgeoning genre of reality TV. So if any magazines, by the way, want to buy this article I wrote, <laughs> hit me up. So the show aired August 2002 and it achieved the highest cable rating for a reality show. I mean, to date, I guess. Wow. Yes. I remember the build up to it. Like, I, I don't really remember ever a rollout like it, even with, say, friends and stuff. Like, it was massive. Yeah. Like, the ads were playing around the clock for mm. about 
a month before it showed up. I was so excited when it started. Yeah. So um, the day the series premiered was the seventh anniversary of the death of J. Howard Marshall, which is not in bad taste at all. The opening sequence of the Alan Nicole Smith show. Do you remember it? it was it, um, it was, a cartoon? Yes. Yeah. It was a cartoon and it was like, it, d- it did a kind of like whistle stop tour of Anna Nicole's car yeah. crash there to date. There was a song. Right. Yeah, there was a really catchy song that was like, she started in the t- yeah. trailer trash and now she's gone to Hollywood. No, was, I mean, that was, was not it? the song, but something like that. whack that up and let's have it, a play yeah. of it. Because also, like, they kind of riff through all the shit that's happened to her, like right down to J. Howard Smith in his wheelchair. That's then right. Then popping off. The mortal coil. Yeah. And then her going to court. Like that's all played out in whatever 45 seconds in cartoon form. It is fascinating. Wow. That could just go, you're so out of it, yeah. Anna Nicole. Because she is so fucked for it this whole so series. Depressing. Yes, wasn't it? <sighs> the whole series, basically, the kind of players in it were New Howard, Howard K. Stern, her son, Daniel Wayne Smith, That's right. her assistant, Kimmy, and her miniature poodle, Sugar Pie. Her gay interior decorator, Bobby Trendy. <laughs> <laughs> And her cousin from Texas, Shelley Cloud. And so uh, when Guardian Peace summing up the show, her TV show was an unflinching self-portrait of a one-woman car crash. And it was a critical disaster. But uh, the second series was commissioned because the viewing figures were astronomical. It was total car crash, wasn't it? Car crash. Like it it was definitely vexed quite like... There's producers there. There was people filming her. Oh my god, they like, had responsibility to her. There was episodes on that show that she was locked in her bedroom, for instance, and they were obviously. I remember even watching then, thinking they're scrambling right. to put a show together here. Yeah, and it was your man narrating most of it. It turned into just being him, and you'd him. sort of rarely see Anna. She was practically a prop, and when you did, she? she was so out of it. Yeah, it was like slurred speech, makeup slip. I mean, she she needed help. Oh, Do you know, it was yeah. that kind of a situation. It was like watching, you know, a David Attenborough film where they watched the baby mm. elephant starve to death. It was like somebody needs to fucking help somebody this woman. intervene. Yeah. Yes, and nobody did. And even the kind of horrible, upbeat, catchy theme tune. The whole thing was gross. Oh, and it all was in like. I know not to be all like, and it wasn't even a nice house. But <laughs> the house looked like some LA show home or something. It, none of it looked. Like but she didn't have any. It was clear she didn't have she any no money. money. Yeah, and they talked about the fact that she had no money in it. The whole thing yeah. was so grim. I know, so grim. And she was quite knowing about it sometimes on some level. Which sometimes she was sober and enough to have, yeah, that's talk. It, yeah, and other times she wasn't. And the thing is, like the odd time when she was kind of sober enough, she would say funny things or like you yeah. know you could see that she had a personality and like mm-hmm. of course and a, a lot of pain, obviously. 
She just got chewed up, didn't she? Oh, completely. completely. Like, like uh, even in the theme song, it's like she had it all and was gone in a flash. Yeah. Like, he was clear that he, well, I mean, it's, it definitely looked like he was facilitating her. She was in no way shape. She couldn't go to the pharmacy. Yeah, she was in mm. no I mean, shape. She was 100% keeping her. Keeping her showing up for the kind of photo ops. They had a baby, Sophs. No? Not quite. Okay. She, I'll oh, explain. All right. They, so he kept her anyway, like propelling her down this fame road with the Anna mm-hmm. Nicole Smith show. In the first episode, they go to a local radio station to do an interview. And it is just the most hideous television I've ever seen. The DJs are just like ripping it out of her and just being absolute dirtbags to her and being like, what happened and to you, Anna Nicole? And she'd be like... What do you mean what happened to me? I'm still here. And they were like, well, you gained a lot of weight, didn't you? Jesus. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's so enraging. And it's, yeah, it's fucked up. And it lasted for two seasons Mm -hmm. because everyone wanted to watch, you know? But yeah, it's funny how like even as a what like 17 year old 16 year old whatever i was oh, anyone would be aware I was, this is wrong yeah like it was ick factor so the show ran its course she still was in the tabloids the inheritance case is still going on in the early 2000s mm-hmm. so it started in 1996 and um, it even got got to the u.s supreme court Jeez. I'll come back to that in a minute. Largely, we collectively forgot about Anna Nicole Smith again until 2006, um, when it was announced she'd given birth to a baby girl. Mm. Father unknown. It was too good, and the tabloids presumably got immediately hard at the thought of the newest installment of the Anna Nicole saga. There was three potential fathers. Not that's part is not that interesting to me identified by the media or identified by Anna uh, by themselves right there was a few people who came forward and said like this could have been me so that's when the plot veers into darkness so her son Daniel flew to the Bahamas where Anna Nicole Smith um, had had the baby that's where she was living and while he was at her bedside, three days after the birth, he suddenly collapsed and died at 20 years of age. Oh, my God. In the room. He had taken a lethal combination of tranquilizers and uh, also um, antidepressants, and they were mixed with methadone. So things got grimmer. Anna, then around that time, sold pictures of her son to a tabloid for half a million dollars. Her dead son. I mean, it wasn't his body, but yes. Well, what do you, like exclusive? Just like pictures. private pictures, oh, you know. Sorry, yeah, okay. and exclusive. Yeah, she also sold video footage of her cesarean section for what? reportedly one million dollars. So suddenly the money was rolling in again, but obviously, at what cost? So the degradation was not over yet. So this ha- that all happened in September. And the following February, um, Anna Nicole Smith and a private nurse checked into the Hard Rock Hotel, the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel, 
and casino in Hollywood, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not known exactly why she needed a private nurse, but one of her lawyers uh, later said that she'd been suffering kind of flu-like symptoms. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say they are literally in a round-the-clock battle to keep her compass mentis. And so Howard too, um, Howard Stern, was there with them. Apparently they had been planning to buy a yacht on the trip to Florida. Mm-hmm. They, I don't know if they were doing anything. Um, so from the moment she arrived at the hotel, staff and guests uh, reported that she seemed completely out of it. She needed help to sit and stand. Um, some people witnessed her baby? like about six months, five months oh, old, uh, September, February. Yeah, very young baby girl. Danny Lynn. The oh. son was Daniel. Oh, God. Um, so, sorry, some other people reported seeing her being carried out of an audience at a boxing match. It sounds like she was practically being moved from location to mm. location. What the fuck was she doing at a boxing match? <sighs> so, on Wednesday, on the Wednesday, so they checked in on the Monday, um, and on the Wednesday... She hid her head in the bathtub. Um, the next morning, apparently she went for a nap, wasn't feeling very well. At 20 to 2 that afternoon, her nurse called the front desk and asked for an ambulance. Um, when the emergency services arrived, they were recorded calling headquarters and saying, like, this was played, this exact bit. I remember being played on the news. I'm fairly certain. Anyway, they said in this recording, she's not breathing. She's not responsive. She's um, actually Anna Nicole Smith. So she was pronounced dead that afternoon, 8th of February. Um, and the toxicology report was released the following month. And they uh, surmised that she died of an accidental overdose of pre- prescription drugs, each of which at therapeutic levels, but altogether completely fucking lethal Um, three separate tranquilizers sleeping medication chloral hydrate which was said to have been prescribed to Howard too not her no methadone found in her body so there was methadone found in um, Daniel's body Uh, so obviously methadone is what uh, heroin users can sometimes use after coming off heroin and Mm. lots of people might be prescribed methadone for a long period or for the rest of their life it's you know well it's yeah yeah, I mean it's kind of a pharmaceutical heroin I guess am I explaining that Mm. right people know what methadone is sorry anyway um so look her drugs and her kind of fatalistic sort of attitude had been there since day one since the early 90s when she was in her days as a dancer she always had tranquilizers little baggies of tranks in her bag that she'd just pop while she drank she did cocaine ecstasy pills to get to sleep pills to wake up painkillers if she so much as stubbed a toe like very Marilyn to be honest Mm -hmm. and very a lot of the like sort of actresses of that age like in the sort of studio system in Hollywood in the 40s and 50s where they literally like pepped them up brought them back down 
as and when they needed them to be on mm-hmm. for, uh, you know and like millions and millions of casualties of that system and this was like a kind of she was like that again she was Marilyn 2.0 and um, she had been first drug uh, hospitalized for a drug overdose in 1994 and um, there had been rumors of other attempts on her own life as well and um, in the following years she was not well as anybody who looked in a single frame of the Anna Nicole Smith show incredibly right the legal battle is still going on over J. Howard Marshall's will. The legal battle outlived both parties. The son of J. Howard Marshall died the same year as Anna. Or he died in 2006, sorry. She died in early 2007. The legal battle was now, at this stage, spanning 13 years, played out in probate court, in federal court in Texas, Mm. in California, and finally, unbelievably, in the US Supreme Court. It is so complicated. I delved and decided that it's just not even interesting enough for all but the case basically went through about four different judgments one saying Anna Nicole should get nothing another saying she should receive 475 million um, and another that she said that said she should get 88 million Mm -hmm. I mean it's not a moot point because uh, her heir is still alive yes and with the death of Daniel there is now only one heir um, excuse me, uh, or is there? So, right when Anna Nicole's daughter was born, Danny Lynn, right? Mm-hmm. Just to dial back a tiny bit. Not known who the father was. And this seemed unimportant until Daniel died because that's when the, you know, heir status passed to the baby. Because yeah. Daniel was a 20-year-old man. Like, he was kind of first... First in line, it's a weird mm-hmm. way to put it, but and so she, it's Danny Lynn, the baby, um, became the sole heir to Anna's potential fortune if this bloody legal case ever, ever got finished with. Yeah, and um, so before they even planned the funeral service for Daniel, so Anna Nicole Smith, presumably still recovering from a C section and the sudden tragic death of her oldest child, yeah. Howard K. Stern, like hustles her into a ceremony on a boat in the Bahamas and marries Mm. Anna Nicole Smith and put his name down as the father on the baby's birth certificate. He looks like the father, if that's... I mean, yeah. He's a scumbag. He's a scumbag. It turned out later that the marriage was not legal. He insisted they had planned to get married properly but that his wife's future, that his future wife's death had intervened. Death! Damn you, death! Like, loads of members of her family have claimed that Anna tried to reach them um, the day that Daniel died. Mm. And that when they got back to her, tried to call back, Howard too, Mm. yeah, had interceded the calls and took all the calls and like they could not reach her. And then, so obviously when Anna died, the stakes got even higher. I'm nearly finished. Sorry, what time guys. Are we... I don't even want to know. <laughs> We're at an hour and 40 minutes. Oh Jesus. My God. I'm sorry. Oh God. Keep I'm going. Sorry. Stakes even higher, basically, because, you know, the baby's going to get the money. It... She was just a bundle of potential cash, basically, yeah. this baby. So whoever the father would have been would be just, you know, 
fucking rolling in it. There was a few contenders, a photographer, you know, another guy, another guy. <laughs> Sorry, skipping on through. Um, there was also a former bodyguard who claimed paternity. Um, so anyway, look, the fight is still not over because Howard Stern is the trustee of the estate and the attorney um, in charge of ensuring that large sums of money are delivered to Danny Lynn. So he's already made, or, or, or sorry, um, he's like fielding Danny Lynn's funds. Yeah. And like she already is making lots of money in media fees and, you know, it's kind of mad. And um, also there was question marks in among Anna's family over, well, they've tried to kind of insinuate that Howard too was in the room when she died the son died oh, God. and yeah right. so they've definitely made kind of insinuations like that anyway Anna Nicole Smith is basically more famous now than she ever was before but she's dead I know and her legacy remains tangled up in money it's a hun- it's a good do- it's a good Sex. film isn't it Oh my God, it's a huge film. Yeah. Maybe it's a TV show, like a really cool, like a Dear John or something, yeah. like version of that. But your man has to sort of be charged with something or, do you know, anyway. I'll end on this. Basically, yeah. the Marilyn connection continued on till the very end. One friend and photographer who worked with her believes that she took her own life. She was found in the nude with a sheet over her just like Marilyn Monroe. Almost as though she tried to mimic it. She had a good life, he adds. She liked being a tabloid queen. As long as she was in the news, she was happy. Which... Okay, that was really depressing. sorry. But but, uh, but it was fascinating. Like, she is fascinating. And I'm glad to be thinking about her again, in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, when I was going, oh, the creep dive, Anna Nicole, I was like, were we the creeps? Yeah, totally. We were the creeps. We were the creeps. Yeah. Harridge Stern seems like the creep and us. Mm. It's mad, isn't it? But you know, I I thought like, I was talking to Seb before he came in and I was like, I feel like she was 20 years too early and that like, she could, she would have had a different life, sure. Yeah. And then been back, she's kind of Lindsay Lohan-esque, like back in rehab, out of rehab, you know. Yeah. Like she'd be alive. But she probably wouldn't have, she wouldn't have stood out now. Well, maybe <laughs> but not. But that's it. She wouldn't have because like, we have c- celebrities and people that are fascinating like that are a dime a dozen. I guess. All right. Well, should we say thank oh, you for listening? I feel so weird about that now. Yeah. Well, it there is, is a, creep a there dive. is a proved father though, Larry. Ooh, oh, Burkhead. Larry Burkhead. It's not is, Howard. No. So uh, Who the Larry. Fuck is Larry. Larry Burkhead is a former model. Who um, he's a photographer now, isn't he? Oh, maybe he's a photographer. Hold on, let me just bring it up. I um, was, I did have more info on the fathers, but I felt that Jen might knife my face <laughs> if I didn't shut up. Sorry, soon. Oh, a photographer yeah. who had met Anna two years earlier at the Kentucky Derby and claimed to have had a relationship with her up until she was five months pregnant. Um, yeah. God, I'm just googling that. There was also a man there. called Prince Frederick von Anhalt, a man who had reputedly bought his title um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> by arranging to be adopted as an adult. 
<laughs> he said he'd been in a long affair with her, um, even though he was married to Zaza Gabor. <laughs> no way. Yes. All right. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for that. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna do one again. I promise. <laughs> like I've used up all my long ass. Long ass, long ass, backwards bullshit. No, but it could yeah. Thank you. It was fascinating. Absolutely Thank fascinating. You. I. It's one of those ones that I like. Feel like we've contributed towards mm. that. It's we have contributed towards the creepiness of this, and isn't the world a little bit fucked? Isn't it fucked? Yeah. How much can happen to one person? Like. But like, how often so do we look at people? Either like not. You know, it's very easy for us to be like. Oh yeah, we watched the Anna Nicole Smith and it was clear that she was sick. But we still watch programs that have negative impacts on people like that. Yeah. And we're watching it every day on live on people's social media. Mm. Totally. And some of my favorite people on social media are not well. No. But we watch it, but you see it all the time and it's just it's like I don't know. Read this interesting thing today that Instagram are test. Well, they're not testing a tool, but they have designed a tool that will um, not publicly show your likes and followers. OK. In, in like and it's estimated that it will reduce the pressure of social media. Yeah. But like, if you think about that mindset for a second, why would we bother <laughs> when you're posting a picture? Other people, you'll see how many people liked it, but other people won't see how many people liked it and other people won't see your followers. Interesting. How will we? Where's the currency? Where's the social currency? How will I know who's worthwhile in a room? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about the can't look away thing with Anna Nicole and kind of going like, is it some kind of like, is it some kind of ego massage for us to watch someone like that who we deem like less than us? In it's some way, it's a story. It's right. Yeah, to I, riches, no, I don't. It's just the problem is it's reality. Yeah. I don't think that. I don't think that her problems negate negate our own. Like I don't think that watching her is kind of like a cleanse to make you forget about the troubles of your own life. Because I still think that there are elements of. I think there are elements of her story that, if we're all honest with ourselves, people probably still envied, like the finances, her fame. Um, and they were winning to over her large titties, which I I hope people envy my titties when I get nothing. them. Nothing. Um, Nobody cares. I have nothing. I don't even need bra. I think. Yeah. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a clear and concise reason why we are so fascinated with watching car crash TV and people. Even though at this stage, what was the, when was the Nicole, Anna Nicole Schmidt Smith show? Two thousand two. Two thousand and two. So seventeen years ago, and we're still watching programs that. Sure. Contribute to, to disaster. I feel like we're better at dressing them up now. Yeah. As being kind of culturally edifying or something sure. like that. We like film even, the rehab now. <sighs> yeah. But, or Love Island say like there's always now loads of like real thinky hot takes from the Telegraph all about like what Love Island says about the culture just so they can get the clicks. That they know Love Island will get. And so they can still, we can still indulge in the low from a kind of high vantage point. Mm. 
or like but I mean with Love John Island Ronson. itself there was t- there's two contestants that have died by suicide <gasps> in the last two it's years from Love Island freaking appalling yeah I thought it was actually more I think it's two that well two but John Ronson wrote years. about this and he also wrote about the producers how they pick the people yeah I've read mm. a lot about this and they're picking people who, who are going to generate good content which is the, the type right of content kind of we're talking about exactly the mm. right kind of mad but I found, like, say, in the last days of August, I found that very discomforting listening. So that's his re- most recent podcast. And I know you loved it. Mm. And I did like it, but it found, I found it was very like holding a mirror up to us as an audience because I felt like there was a person, a real person who was being somewhat hounded by the interest of this mega journalist John Ronson mm. and his producer mm-hmm. and even though in the first episode no spoiler here but John Ronson says like in the next few episodes like you know we're going to take it on a journey and like it does it turns out that this guy was not responsible for the thing we're talking about but we spent a certain amount of time believing he was and even though he says that up at the top of the show I just feel like it's not enough maybe you're right yeah yeah, but it's really interesting. Like, I really want to listen to it again, actually, and analyze it. But it definitely made me feel like that, like, our consuming habits are now pushing this, um, like, I don't know, I suppose, mining people for their tragedy. Mm. Mm. So much like what we do here, here on The Creep Dive. That's exactly right. Do you follow us on the Instagram? We have likes and followers. <laughs> Not that many, considering there's a lot of you. There's not a lot of people on the Instagram. Come and like our Instagram. Uh, and yeah, do you come and like do you our like Instagram? It? It's just at the creep dive. I'm waiting for Sophie's public apology because I have been on the Instagram ball today specifically. Hey, I texted you straight away this I, morning. Public, public, public. Okay, we'll we'll look into that. Okay, thanks for coming. We'll <laughs> probably split this into two episodes. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.